Hey, pronouncers, welcome back to the episode. We have got a really special, unique episode coming up on this segment of Pronouncers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printout. We've got Mr. Stephen Farrig, but also this episode is actually, I mean, you are the guest. And today we've got the very special guest, Mr. Stephen Farrig. Uh, really cool news that you guys just announced. It's all over the wire. It's all over the Facebook groups. It's all <laughs> over like like different press release outlets and stuff. But quick, we've got a couple awesome sponsors that help put together this podcast. First off, Multicraft. Have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy, Stephen? I have not, Bruce. Well, I have. Multicraft underscore daddy. Go ahead and follow him on Instagram if you need ink supplies or daddy. Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years provides you with the top brands at competitive pricing. Don't forget to mention Printavo Podcast, and you'll receive an extra 10% off your first order. Supercolor, now Super Gang Sheets. Supercolor, the world's best heat transfer, uh, empowers professional printers, clothing brands, brokers, crafters, and entrepreneurs. Point two, super fast, super easy, super color. Point three, super color, we help you make it. Point four, super color, anyone with a heat press can print like a pro. I read the alternate blurb today, Bruce. Um, <laughs> Supercolor just dropped gang sheets. If you don't use them, start using Supercolor. They're awesome. Thanks, Rum. Easy way. You shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy Way's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. You know, Campus Inc. is an Easy Way customer as well. Thank you. Last but not least... Graphics Source. Uh, thanks to Nick Wood, Lucas, Brent, Rob, our artist Genie. Graphics Source specializes in providing high quality, production ready art, and dedicated staffing solutions for decorators around the world, including Campus Inc. With industry leading quality on high end color steps, professionally digitized embroidery files, pixel perfect product mock ups, and order entry solutions, Graphics Source is sure to make a positive, measurable impact on your business. Thanks so much, Graphics. We're getting good. All right. So um, do you want to share the news or should I? Um, should I read it off first? Uh, whatever one you want. I mean, that that that's fine. If, if Here we go. We are excited to announce a recent investment from, drum roll, uh, Chris, you're going to have to put in a cool sound effect. Yeah. Sorry. Sounds like a fart. From Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban built his early business at Indiana University. He believes in our student designer program and putting college athletes first. Welcome to the family, Mark. Sound effect. Chris, can I can I give you a sound effect? <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I think like I think the first thing that I think about, and I'm sure other people think about, is is a certain show, TV show. I don't know if I have like licenses or something to mention the show that Mark Cuban's on. I'm not trying to get sued by ABC for some weird reason, but um, uh, we'll clear the air. I am not going on Shark Tank. No Shark Tank. <laughs> but, no Shark Tank. So what? What do like what? is all of this. What does it mean? Because fundraising is something very common in tech world. If you read TechCrunch or you hear about it, they're always talking about fundraising. Not super um, common in this space. 
how did this all come to be? And what does it really well, mean? Okay. Oh wait, let's try it. Sorry. Let me start. Let me start with one question at a time. Cause I'm, I'm hitting all the questions at once. What happened? Well, um, whew, where do I begin? I have always thought about potentially raising capital, um, to like turn campus Inc. more into a startup. Um, and when you raise capital, you're, you're taking money from investors. You're selling a minority of the business. You're infusing that capital in the business so that, um, in a future date, it's worth more than what the investment was worth. That's basically that, that, that is what it is. Um, so I've, I've thought about it for a while cause we have a unique business model. And, um, you know, as I turned the year, I realized, um, I, you know, my business is growing pretty, you know, pretty steady. Um, you know, we've seven or eight X since we started. Um, but I didn't feel like I had like an exit strategy or I didn't know like what my future was going to hold or I didn't know how long you know, I'd be driving a champagne or whatever. And the more and more I thought about it, I realized like the next step in our business is going to require like a lot of resources to get us where we need. Um, and you know, when the summer came around, we saw another opportunity with college athletes. We already work with college students. Um, we have a platform that they, you know, sell merch and design on. We said, well, why can't we pair this with the athletes? Um, and one thing led to another. And one of our students started reaching out to athletes. And then they texted me and said, Hey, Steven, we, you know, we want to start working with athletes. I was like, okay. So we started working with athletes and we realized we had something there. So then came this fall and we had launched it for like the university of Illinois. We're making the players money. It's kind of cool. And all of a sudden we start getting hit up by like agencies, like sports agencies to be like, Hey, we have athletes that want what you're doing in Illinois. And this is about that time, Bruce, when you guys were going through your deal and um, I started kind of having conversations and talking to my advisors and being like, you know, is this a blue ocean? Like, what can we do here? And someone said to me, like, it'd be really good if you found an angel investor or a strategic partner or mm -hmm. someone that could just give you a little, like a little lift. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how the idea started. Um, and, and basically started brewing in October. So what yeah, do you mean by that's a little how it well, you know, there's some companies that are just an idea and they raise a ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. um, just an idea and they need an, an infusion of a crazy amount of capital, like infrastructure, people, all that. We already have a, what we would call like a product market fit. You know, we have a model that's working. Um, we, we're comfortable with it. We just need to accelerate it a little bit. And so, you know, I think of like a, a strategic partner or an angel investor um, as someone just kind of turning the dial for you and helping you out. Mm -hmm. um, and so that you can move just a little bit quicker and you can kind of do things the right way instead of like what we call bootstrapping. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I guess, what do you feel like can change in the business now? You, you know, you talk about that uh, bootstrap mentality versus this new path essentially this is debt, right? So like either you finance debt yourself or you are taking on someone else's debt. Um, and in a, in a venture backed deal, uh, the venture capitalist, or in this case, Mark Cuban is completely comfortable with the fact that the investment might not turn out. Okay. And so, um, I don't want to say it's risk free cause that would be bad to say, but um, he's gambling on us a little bit. 
uh, with the intention that it could turn into something and could give him a return on his investment. So to like kind of answer your question, it's like if we want to move quickly, it's better to work with someone that's already hedged their risk or someone that's looked at it and said, if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world, but let's gamble a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. meaning Mark Cuban took, you know, some money out of his pocket and gave it to us versus me mortgaging my life and my family and, and everything I sure. got and, and and all that stuff. So it is the same thing. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, of where you're taking that debt from, you know. Does that make sense? But he debt not as in you know, you have to repaying it, like there's an correct, exchange of equity correct. in the business. Correct. He does own equity in our company. So yeah, he does own a piece of the business. I remember thinking about this too, where I said, wow, we have to continue growing. Do I just keep funneling back more and take on more risk or start to look outside? Right. Uh, especially if like, cause I feel like you feel that you have a pretty clear path, right? So, you know, you, you've been so focused on college, everything students mm-hmm. now athletes, um, I mean, just like the facilities you do, the Illini store, and I'm sure for other colleges, campuses as well. So does this say, okay, I understand what our path forward is. This helps accelerate it. Or I don't know. Is that how you think about it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it made me narrow my focus like even more. Right. And sometimes you'll challenge me, Bruce, and be like, well, what if you just didn't do that stuff? Like, what if you didn't do community orders anywhere? What if you didn't focus on that and you just focus on this? And it really, really made me think like, what is my path? My path is college students, college athletes, and building college brands, right? And that's it. That's it. All the residual extra work that comes and stuff like that, like we're not going to market to them. We're marketing to college students, college athletes, and building college brands and managing them. Um, and that that has like, those binoculars have been like nice to put on. It's almost like a, a, a like reassuring um, because, you know, he's given us an investment, we have a, a, we know where we want to be and we feel like we're on a good road. Um, now it's a matter of getting the right people on the bus and driving, you know? Um, so it's, it, it has allowed me to narrow my focus, which is almost like forced, but I really like, actually like it, you know? Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's something we, we argue about is like when you go too wide versus, you know, doing a bunch of stuff versus one. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, it is a tricky balance for sure, especially getting started versus when do you want to step on the gas pedal? But what was the, what was the fundraising process like? Like how how did you guys even get into touch? (sighs) Okay. So it's a pretty funny story, but I have a couple advisors and mentors that I talk to pretty regularly. And, um, they said, if you want to start fundraising, you have to start having meetings with people. You just need to like, you just reach out to people and just start learning from them. And, and, you know, cause I know nothing about the space. Yeah. And so I started having like kind of these coffee meetings. I would just message people on LinkedIn or see if I had a mutual connection. Um, some of the guys at U of I that, that, you know, live in San Francisco now, um, and just kind of ask them like, what's the process. And one of my advisors here, um, he basically said like the decision to start raising money could be a decision that you know, you will do for a very long time. So you need to make sure you're comfortable with what that lifestyle means. What do you mean? Like, cause you're always doing it or what? 
Yeah, because you know, if you were to chew proper venture capitalist, you could raise a, raise a pre-seed, you know, an angel oh, round, a okay. series A, series B, and so you're always like chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. When you see these companies that say they raised another fifty million dollars, their CEO is like hunting for money. And so, you know, he was, and he's a professor at U of I. He's like, you have to be comfortable with the lifestyle of that and maybe the pressure that it means because some of these companies will burn hundreds and thousands of dollars per month before they turn profitable. It could be 36 to 48 months. They mm -hmm. might not ever turn. And he's like, you have to be comfortable with that chase. And so that's kind of what I started doing and talking to like just different people um, and just like kind of uh, like realizing, do I even want to do this or not? And uh, like one of my like coaches was like, you know, it'd be really cool. Like instead of having to go to all these angel investors, what if you just got like a strategic partner, like Mark Cuban or something? And I was like, yeah, that, that would be pretty sweet, I guess. And so, um, my brother-in-law is in, in sports and I asked him and I said, Hey, do you know anyone at Mark Cuban's? He's like, good one, dude. Everyone wants to work with Mark Cuban. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, so I kind of like put it off. <laughs> And it was around the holidays and I don't know why, but I read a blog about someone that cold emailed Mark Cuban and he invested. So uh, I was staying in Champagne for some reason that Friday night and I drafted a cold email to Mark Cuban um, explaining to him our business and he responded back. And then we went back and forth. How soon did he respond back? Uh, he read the email within like 10 minutes. Really? And then... Yeah, so I got like a thing. I was like, he read the email because on front, uh, the front you, app, you, you can, can see when your customers read and open your emails. Yeah. So I saw that he opened it. And I'm like, oh. and then it was like late at night. And then I just like kept checking. And I was like, oh, he opened it again. He opened it again. And then I was like, okay, I'm just. What I was, was like, in super the email? Excited. What'd you say? Um, I gave a I gave a like a pretty good pitch, and I gave a pretty like it was, it was very explicit. I said like. We we're working with college students across the country to teach them design and sales. Uh, we're working with college athletes and making them a ton of money. I want to do this, this, and I, I want to take this to the next level around the country. And I want you to, you know, would you work with us? Um, actually, I forgot to ask in the email if he would work with us. <laughs> so his first response back was, what do you want? Congrats. Are you just emailing me to brag? And he like put an emoji <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> And so then I responded and I was like, um, I actually like, he was a Hoosier. So like we're in Illinois. So I like talked basketball. I was like, I was so excited. I forgot to give you an ask. And I, I laid out my ask. Um, and then I laid out why. Um, and he actually responded and he's like, um, you know, I love what you're doing, but, uh, you know, um, I don't know if that those numbers are going to work. And so we went back and forth and then finally he put some numbers out that I liked and he said, all right, let's do it. And that's how it started. It was all within like 24 hours. Um, and it was right before I was going on like Christmas break. How does a guy um, like that respond to emails? I mean, can, his emails out there, does he, he's got to have somebody that's combing through it. No, he publicizes emails and from, and I've met, you know, like a lot of his team and they said he goes through a lot of his emails. Um, and if someone's spamming him, he'll like block them. Uh -huh. But he says, I, I've heard he gets like a thousand a day and he takes like a second or two to respond to them. Uh -huh. um, if he responds to them, he usually doesn't respond to them, but if something catches his eye, he'll respond. Um, and like, so you that's had the what he's ultimate known for. cold email. 
I had the ultimate cold email and yeah. in the cold email, I forgot to ask for anything and he still responded. So, um, maybe someday I'll share that. Not right now. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ultimate cold email. That's uh, awesome. But, but yeah, so that's the story. I emailed, I cold emailed Mark Cuban and he decided to invest in us. And that was my journey in raising money. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he says, okay, you guys figure out numbers via email. Now what? So that's, what's called like due diligence. So, you know, um, and, and this is how it kind of works. Like even on shark tank is, is he's got analysts and biz dev guys that, um, you know, responded right away and, uh, started to dig into our books. And so on Monday morning I had to pitch to, um, one of his team, like someone on his team. And mm-hmm. now we work with him really closely and it was a phone pitch. So then I had to prepare a PowerPoint and I had to give like a 20 minute spiel and, um, you know, uh, basically sell myself again. And so I did that over the phone and then, um, they responded back and said, can you send us like your, your financials? And they actually have to dig through everything. So like P and L's and balance sheets and all of those things. And then finally, um, uh, they got back to me, I don't know, three, four weeks later and said like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then we went into legal and, and that was probably <laughs> what was January. The legal process like? So the legal process is, you know, um, so Mark Cuban's an, an equity partner at Campus Inc. And he's got like shares in the business. And so the business actually has to get like restructured um, because it was owned, you know, 50-50 by me and my business partner, mm-hmm. um, Jed. And so we had to, they have to like restructure the company, reset the shares. There's like employee options. Um, there's a lot of like terms that you have to understand um, and, and make sure you disclose everything. Um, you know, because he's investing in, in I think like two or 300 companies. And so he's going to have to protect himself. Um, but their team is really cool. Um, they're all in Dallas and they're really thorough and, you know, helpful throughout the way. And, um, what's also really cool is I got to talk to other companies that he has invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so even Shark Tank companies and just like asking them about the process and what's going to happen next. And, you know, so, um, I was like, you know, we, we closed last week. And so I've been holding on to this for like mm, three, three months. I know when you first started mentioning it, I was like, Ooh, should we, should we tease it? And you're like, no, 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 let's, let's make sure it actually happens. Um, you talk about stock options, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've gotten questions about like how to structure that because we we did that too, and I know some people try to do profit sharing or options or bonus pools. It's obviously very early still; <laughs> the pool just was created. But any insight as to how you're thinking about team stock options and, and, and yeah, how that so could work? so when you're venture back, they carve out a small piece of the business for talent for like incentives for your employees. Um, and that's how you're able to recruit talent is by giving them a, a nugget and saying it's not worth much now, but if there is a sale or a crazy acquisition or something happens, like you're going to, you're going to get some, you know, life changing money as well. So that's the purpose of stock options. Stock options mean nothing unless a company is sold. No one really like rarely do people exercise them. Um, but it's, it's meant to incentivize people to be there long term and to recruit talent that believe in what you believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, you know, I would say like it opened up my eyes a little bit because 
you know, we're recruiting a lot of like fantastic people. I have like a new employee starting every week. Like we have like six new people. Um, and I'm able to like share a little piece of it with them and make them like part of it, you know? Um, but it's, it's no different. You can still do it with profit sharing. Now we are now like a C corporation. We're no longer an S corp. So we are, uh, incorporated in Delaware, like, uh, most tech companies are now. So, um, yeah, but it was a little weird. I, I didn't, you know, as I, the more and more I learned about it, the more I understood it. Um, you reserve like a small percentage for advisors. Um, so, you know, like my coaches and mentors are incentivized too. Um, but it's just kind of like tying everyone in, if that makes sense. How does this change? You know, you talked about kind of being more focused or wanting to niche in very, uh, focused into the business now that obviously you have another partner here, but what do you think are some more ground level changes that you think will start to happen over the next six to 12 months? Like what, like, what is this? What is it? Cause I feel like literally it was going down this road, right. And there was, there was a fork in the road and you could go on left or right. And you went right. And now what does that really mean? So, uh, they say in, in startup land, like hockey sticking, Mm -hmm. we want to take the investment and make it worth more. So we are infusing it in the business quickly. It's not like we can just sit on it and we're hoping that it returns something and gets us into an upward trajectory. That's like Mm -hmm. the best way to explain it. What that also means is your company has to start operating like a real organization. So with like... <laughs> You're saying Campus Inc. doesn't with, ram like a real organization? Uh, well, I mean like an org structure and a board yeah. <laughs> and directors, vice presidents, CFOs, CTOs, like VP of sales. We're talking like six-figure salaries day one. Right. And right. that's basically, you know, what I've been doing is recruiting a fantasy team to come in and help us because we're just junior. Like we're very young and we need, you know, the best of the best to help us get there. And so, you know, we'll, we'll be bringing on an engineering lead. We just brought on our director of NIL partnerships, which is Adam Cook, who is the first salesperson at Printavo. Um, Mr. And Cook. it's, yeah. So, uh, that's been my first move is like, I need a tribe to do this with, right. uh, because I can't do it alone. And then the second thing is like whipping us into shape. So we know how a real company operates. So like, uh, we're working on OKRs and, you know, making our 30, 60, 90 day goals. And, um, just like all the stuff that you hear about big companies doing and young companies want to do. And now you're like, Oh crap, we actually have to do it. So what do you feel like the other roles that you have to hire for now are? So I, I think of the company as like sales, marketing, like admin and ops is the best way I put it in like four buckets. Mm-hmm. And right now we have like really good people in them, but we don't have like senior level management. So we don't have a VP of marketing, um, but our marketing team is going to be made up of like four people who are very talented in content and marketing. So who's going to have to lead? Who's the VP of marketing? I'm going to have to be it, Right. Uh, we've got like six or seven people on sales, but we don't have a VP of sales. Um, so I'm going to have to be it. And that's really like, that's going to, that's going to spread me thin. So it's going to be really important that I have director, so vice president roles. level. And, yeah. And I think we, we talked about this, Bruce is like, I, I made, I had to make an org chart of the roles of what needs to get filled. And even if they're empty, 
Like I just put my name by them for now. So, um, really trying to like create departments and structure around it, trying to promote from within as much as we can, um, which is great. But, um, it's also a look in the mirror and saying, you know, like we're still junior. I'm still junior. I tell my team every day, I'm not qualified to be the CEO of campus Inc. I'm just here, (laughs) you know, Uh, I have to learn how to run a company too, you know? Um, so I think that, but what's interesting is it feels like those roles that you are working to bring on, you would have brought on anyway. It's just now it's more of a timing thing, less of a, like before you had time, now there's, there's, there's money to spend to allocate. And so time is. Yeah. And there's like, it's the cart or the horse, right? You know? Um, and so now I can be a little like relaxed about like, oh man, will this employee pay themselves off? Um, you know, like having, having a head of engineering is going to be building for quite some time before anything's even out, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's more than an auto, you know, it's like having, having a, having an auto and not using it for nine months, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, just like, it, it's it's less about like we're not going to go out and buy a bigger building or buy more presses or anything like that right now. It's it's people and structure, um, and putting people, people in the right structure. positions. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like one of our guests that uh, never pulls a squeegee again, or I guess you it's never still really not did still like not me. pretty. Should other shops be thinking about this or or like when when is it a good fit for somebody? If, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, huh, hmm, maybe I should, you know, do I have something here? Should I try this route or like, um, so you don't raise, you have to raise money with a strategy. Like our strategy is that hopefully someday, like we can get acquired by a bigger company, right? Um, that might be five years down the road. That might be 10 years down the road. That might be two years down the road, but you don't raise money unless you're going to go public or you're going to get acquired. Um, and to be clear, some companies get acquired and run as is for decades. You know, it's not yeah. like, oh, I want to walk away from the business. Um, I just want to take it to a point, you know, feel a reward from it and then continue working in it or whatever that may be. So, um, you know, you have to have a strategy. Otherwise, like playing with like that house money, that's, that's, you know, wasteful. Now, if you think you can get really profitable too, if you're like, Ooh, I know at a certain point, if I invest this in the, in the money machine, out will come this, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that could be another, another reason you raise money. But I think I, I was, might've been Ryan when I was a little younger, I was like, when, when do you feel like is the right time to raise money? Is like when you feel like you're getting too close to the line of using the financing that's out there meaning you don't want to sell any of your company if you don't have to. Whenever you raise capital, you sell a piece of your company. So if you can use you know, lines of credit and you can finance things properly and you're smart that way and you hold on to your cash, you can you can leverage, you know, leverage yourself pretty pretty like strongly. And I think small businesses don't realize that until they get a little bit bigger and they're like, "Oh, what is a cash position?" And how do I use leverage and stuff like that? You know, we bought our first, when we moved into the new, the new shop, we bought our equipment in cash, hard cash. And when I look back, I was like, like, I thought that was cool. And then I was like, that's so stupid. Like, 
should have kept that cash in the bank to use it for the business and like financed it for nothing. Instead, we just like burn that in there just so we could like, you know. So I, I would always say you want to learn to finance before you, you've exhausted that. Unless you feel like you have something that can hockey stick, you know. Um, and I think that's the, the whole thing is something that's going to accelerate quickly. It makes me think that we need a, a like a finance one-on-one class for for shop owners. Like it'd be awesome to bring in somebody that truly knows about all these different options, uh, just to help. Yeah, learn. this is a this is a anti-profit first mentality. Let's just put it that way. Right. This is not for. It because, seems very calculated and purposeful. It's like, okay, there's money. You know, you spend this, you do this and that, and then maybe you need to raise more or not or what. You know, it's like. But you're right. It's very different than profit first. I mean, it's 100 yeah. percent different. Yeah, it's not about profit, like bottom line at the end of the year, or whatever. It's 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 run much differently now, um, right. which I'm okay with. Like I've I've dedicated myself to that for the for the near future. Right. So. Yeah. How do you uh how do you feel about everything? Well, news broke yesterday. And so the internet kind of like exploded and it's still like coming through. Um it feels great. Uh you know, like I'm excited. I'm definitely a little anxious. I'm eager. Um a lot of mixed emotions because there's a lot to prove now, right? So someone's trusted me and now now I got to show up and I also feel like I have someone that's holding me accountable a little bit. So one of the parts of working with Mark and his team is I do send him an update uh, once a week and he communicates back with me. And so I always feel like I'm like, oh, what am I going to tell him? What am I working on this week? You know, so I kind of just, you know, I'm excited for sure. Um, but definitely, definitely in for, for quite the journey. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, man. That's really exciting. I'm very happy for you guys. Yeah, you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, uh, I think this all I think this all just stems from us just talking about it all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird like therapeutic thing to like get out and have these conversations and then be like, "Holy shit, we've talked about this 10 times. Probably I, I need to do something about it." Can you say what the deal was? No. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm Shark Tank. We're excited about it. You know, I don't know. I think one cool part about working with Mark's team is there's no pressure to necessarily have to raise more money mm -hmm. or go through a different round. He's okay with you running your business as what you'd call a lifestyle company. So um, with other VCs, sometimes they have pretty hard, you know, they're, they're pretty tight with you. And so he's a little bit more lax um, because, you know, uh, it's, it's not necessarily for him about exit, exit, just return, return, return. He's done mm -hmm. just fine. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a cool space. We're excited. The industry has been super kind about it. Um, you know, I've been getting flooded with messages, so I appreciate it all. And I'll keep everyone informed as best as I can and, and try to, you know, talk about the journey and stuff. So keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we will do a, uh, maybe it's like a six month or annual update. It would be cool. Um, to, to see how things evolve and keep pushing forward. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Printavo Pronouncers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce for Printavo. We've got our very special guest, Stephen from Canvas Inc. We've got Mark Cuban. Wait, can we get Mark? You think we can get Mark on the pod? Give me a... Uh... 
<laughs> a few weeks. Not my first request I'm going to make. First email. Hey, yeah, you in, in my the friend weekly, Bruce. In the weekly update. He's really cool. He's got he's got a bobblehead. And, and, this is a screen you know, print podcast that um, um, you thought you'd be great on. Good exposure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. We'll put that on the, I'll put that on the far down in the backlog. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.